0: People think that the Stoics didn't have emotions. Yeah, That's not what it is at all. Because yeah. the Stoics are human. Seneca is like, no amount of wisdom can eliminate our human impulses. He's like, no amount of training can make you not blush, yeah, 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 right, yeah, yeah, or not yeah. cold, yeah. or not feel adrenaline. But what the Stoic is striving to do is not be driven by those emotions yeah. when they make decisions. Hey everyone,
1: welcome back to On Purpose, the number one health podcast in the world. Thanks to each and every one of you that come back every single week to listen, to learn and to grow. Now, you know that I'm a big reader. I absolutely love books and I love books that help expand our mind, help us learn new truths or old ones and help us think differently. Now, today's guest is an author that I've been fascinated by his books for a long, long time basically because of my fascination with stoicism, but also his way of making it accessible, relevant, and innovative for the modern world. I've interviewed him twice before this. We've been on some incredible walks in New York City as well, maybe a couple of those. And today I'm glad to see an old friend and have him on the show. It's none other than Ryan Holiday. Now, for those of you that don't know Ryan, Ryan is one of the world's foremost thinkers and writers on ancient philosophy and its place in everyday life. He's a sought-after strategist, and the author of many best-selling books and some of my favorites, including The Obstacle is the Way, Ego is the Enemy, and The Daily Stoic. Today, I'm excited to talk to him about how we can incorporate stillness into our lives and what it means to live a fulfilling life. Welcome to the show,
0: Ryan Holiday. Thanks for having me. I wish we could be walking.
1: I know. Do you know what? I've thought about that many times. Like, could you do a good interview walking? Yeah. And I think- the audio police would be on my case and yes. they'd be like, Jay, the audio is going to be terrible. No one's going to You
0: look. can't control the environment, which would be bad. But like, it it is ironic that w- I find sort of the most stillness like in movement, you know? Mm. So like for me, like I do all my phone calls walking. So like if I have to do a phone call with someone I walk, when we met in New York that time, we're like, why would we sit here? We could go for, I like to go outside, you get moving. And then weirdly it slows the, I think it it turns off parts of the mind and then it focuses other parts of the mind. So like somehow the body moving creates a kind of an inner stillness that I, that I love.
1: That's fascinating. What, what does stillness mean to you? Like, because that already is like, you're not thinking about stillness in. It's not just It's not just a gross form of stillness, like a physical. What is stillness to you?
0: To me, it's when everything kind of slows down, Mm -hmm. when you eliminate what's extraneous, when you become sort of fully present in whatever it is that you're doing. And you have the ability to sort of direct your thoughts, direct your body, direct your sort of spirits and emotions, rather than kind of be directed by them. So like, what's interesting is I think, when you think about the really great people that you admire, whether they're sort of spiritually great or athletically great or, you know, creatively great, I think what they all share is some kind of stillness. There's like, even if they're really active, there's something about them that is really deep, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so the book and sort of what I've, where I've tried to go in my life more recently is like, how do, you, how do you cultivate that? How do you create that? How do you create space for that? Um, cause I think it's where all the, all the good stuff comes from.
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, that's, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, when you're talking about stillness though, you're a dad too. Yeah. And, and I'm intrigued by how the process of stillness, I'm not a dad yet. Yeah. So I'm asking as, as early coaching. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm married, so I, you know, it, it hopefully will happen at some point, yeah. but you know, what's the latest adventure you went on with your son or where you see stillness in that relationship?
0: So that's actually like every morning we get up. Uh, the, my my kids like do not sleep well, so we get up early. I take them outside and we go for a walk while my wife catches up on sleep. And so that walk is like a huge part of the routine for us. My thing is I don't take a phone on it, so I'm not I'm not doing anything but that. And we're outside and we like experience nature. We see things, you know. They sing, we talk, and it. it what's interesting to me is like how much crazier the day is if we don't do that. Mm-hmm. Like even though they're not, so it's not actually them being tired because they're not walking, I'm walking. But the it it somehow ripples through the day if we don't have that kind of centering experience. Mm-hmm. I think there's something too about like getting up early, that's really great. About getting outside, that's great. Um, but you kind of realize that, I think one of the, one of the weird things about being a parent is like you think it's going to be doing all these activities, right? It's all the, it's like, You're doing, but it's actually it's just like the being there that is parenting. So it's like, oh, we're just gonna play in the dirt for the next hour, and we by we I mean like you're going to do it. I just have to sit here and let you do that. And so it's kind of it's kind of humbling because you think it's going to be this active thing that you're in charge of, but really it's it's much more about you sort of allowing and encouraging and participating and sort of protecting than it is you know, planning and organizing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. And, and you talk there about how you're not trying to be distracted at the time. Yes. And, and I know you've talked about like not using your phone for the first 30 minutes of the yeah, day. Yeah. That's, or not that's part of my it. thing is like, like yeah,
0: I, I, I started with 10 minutes and I worked my, like, it could be now I might let's say I wake up at six. I might not touch my phone till 11 or 12. Like uh, it's, it's, the point is, it's it's not that the phone is bad, and it's not even that the things inside the phone are bad. It's that I want to be in control rather than be controlled by the technology. Yeah. So just the amount of people I know that it's like what Donald Trump tweeted while they were sleeping is determining the caliber of their day or the quality of their day. Mm-hmm. And and it's like, let's say that's too politically charged. It's just like that email that came in while they were sleeping, they didn't actually need to see Mm. until later, until they, d- so, so for me, it's like, cause I write, it's about protecting the space to do the writing. So it's like, I want to go for the walk. I want to do the journaling. I want to get in the right headspace. And then I want to go into the writing. What I don't want is, you know, some email from my accountant or email from my publisher or email from random hater who I, you know, don't even know how they got my email. I don't want that to get in my head and be like, actually know all the work, all the preparation, all the things you should be thinking about, that's out the window because so-and-so messed up or so-and-so said you're an asshole or whatever it is. Like you don't, you have to protect that space. Mm -hmm. And look, it'd be wonderful if you could get to a place where nothing that anyone said, you know, had a, had an impact on you. You could tune it out. This is not the reality. So I'd rather create an environment that allows me to you know, to to be focused.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm 100% with you. And that's amazing that you've been able to do it from, because I wake up around six two, and I've trained myself to not look at my phone till about 8.15 when I go to the gym. But those two and a half hours is really great. Yeah, it's a great time. That's like when I'm meditating, it's when I'm doing gratitude. It's when I'm, 8.15 is when I go to the gym. So yep. it's like only on my walk down to the gym. But sure. I found that whenever I break that rule, and, and of course, I still have days where I sure. break that rule, and I'll wake up and I wake up a bit late and I look at my phone at like say seven, Yeah, it's like I could waste two hours totally. being reactive in bed. And now it's like my meditation's gonna happen later. My, ex- my exercise routine may not happen that sure. day. And, and the, the amount of time it consumes as
0: well. And it doesn't just have to be bad things, right? No. Like I, I remember I was I was in LA when stillness came out. And so the, the way it works is is and you'll experience this. Is so your book comes out, and then there's a week on sale, and then basically like they're tallying the sales on Monday and Tuesday, and then Wednesday you get the numbers, and that's when you find out about the New York Times list. And congrats. Th- thank you. Thank you. But, but yeah. this is that story, right? So yeah. So like I was, I woke up because I was traveling, I couldn't use, like, there was no alarm clock. So I had to use my phone as the alarm clock. So it it makes it harder to not check your phone when it's literally, you have to turn it off to wake up. (laughs) And so, like, you know, I woke up at the normal time, and my plan was to go swimming, but I could see a bunch of text messages from my agent and from my publisher uh, that were, you know, like sitting on the home screen. And so it was like, okay, the rule is you don't use the phone from what I knew it was, it was heading in the right direction. So it's like, it's probably good news. Right. But I had to sort of consciously go like, actually, no, like I want, I want to exist for the next hour or two hours of the workout and the journaling and the writing I want to do for the day. As if that reality, like apart from that reality in a universe where it, there's there's like Schroding, Schrodinger's cat, like where you don't know if it's alive or dead. You don't know if the news is good or bad. Like, I just want to exist for two hours more, not knowing either way. And so it was like, I'm not going to check it and I'm going to go do the thing because as soon as I got the good news and it was great news that we debuted at number one, we sold more copies than we thought, but it was like in a weird way that day was shot even if it'd been, it had been, it was shot just as much as it being good as it would have been if it was bad because you're like celebrating, or excited, you want to know this or that. And like, I don't, the whole point is that you don't wake up and be reactive. You should wake up and be intentional and do what it is that you want to do for the day. Then once that's over, I'm fine to be reactive from noon to five, you know what I mean? Like yeah. once, I've, once I've gotten the important thing done, fine to be reactive but i don't want to be reactive if it comes at the expense of the daily practices that i have yeah to me that's what stillness is actually about
1: yeah and and that's the benefit right because a lot of people may listen to that and be like well ryan that means you just don't want to celebrate and you know you can't be happy for yourself and yeah. you know what what's your issue with like just having a moment yeah. you work so hard but actually what you're saying is the benefit is you can be happy after but you still want to create that space in your mind where you get to exist be intentional and basically train your mind out of being reactive because yep. whether your mind is being reactively good or reactively bad yes. you're still training your mind to be reactive.
0: Yeah, it's like it's in a way it's like people are like okay I'm not going to read the comments on my video cuz they're negative or whatever, yeah. right? You, we get why that's bad. But then what will happen also is like you you post something and it blows up. You can waste a whole day refreshing just take like just mainlining the ego yeah and and like sure there's some days where you should do that or you know like you do that every once in a while it's, it's not like the worst thing in the world it's like having a soda or something but you realize you could lose a whole day mm. and and so it's like wait the 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 reward for my success in this instance is that i'm not doing the thing that I actually love doing. Like, I didn't become a writer so I can refresh things, (laughs) you know? I didn't become a writer so I could count the likes or the comments. I became a writer because I genuinely enjoy writing. And so I actually, you want to see anything that deprives you of the chance to do that as, Mm. like, I think it's like, you know, Bob Dylan didn't want to go accept his Nobel Prize thing. It's like, yeah, I totally get that. Like, it's not that he doesn't want it. It's that it's like, he doesn't want to fly and waste a whole day doing something that he didn't try to get in the first place. Like that's like the highest level of doing it and probably more discipline than I have. But like, yeah, I think early in your career, you think like doing interviews is going to be awesome. Getting attention is going to be awesome. You know, like seeing yourself hit number one is going to be awesome. And then if you actually get to the right place about it, you see those things as like distractions from what you actually want to be doing. Mm.
1: That's powerful. That's powerful using the word distraction from what you want to be doing.
0: I read this thing, this like sort of obituary of Kobe Bryant. And they were saying like, this ESPN reporter was saying like sort of two weeks, two or three weeks before he died, she had texted him to say like, hey, I want to interview you for this story. And like on the one hand, yeah, the reason you want to become the world's best at whatever it is you do is to be interviewed. You want to see yourself on ESPN. And he has shoe deals and social media followers and things that would benefit from being in the media. And his response was like, he texted her back. He's like, can't, my girls are keeping me busy. Like hit me up some other time. Mm. And first off, the discipline that takes normally is incredible, Mm. but I'm so touched by the idea that like, he didn't know how much time he had left. Mm -hmm. And so, and he didn't, he doesn't control that, right? Like he doesn't control the fact that he's about to be deprived of years of life but he does control whether he's gonna waste 15 minutes or not. Mm. And he chose in that moment to not waste it. And he gave that time to the people that he loved. Yeah. And I'm so, I'm so touched by that. I think to me, that's like his final performance, mm. right? Like, and so I, I try to think about that always. Uh, and, and I've thought about it for a long time, but I'm always looking for examples of like the, that sort of powerful no yeah. or that you know ability I was uh, I, I called Robert Green this morning, uh, who's been sort of my mentor for a long time, and I was like, Robert, I'm like driving by your house on my way to this thing. Do you want me to stop by and say hello? And he was like, I'm doing my work right now. Let's see each other later. I'm like, like uh, you could be insulted by that, but actually, I was like, so, I was like, oh my god, this is this is how yeah. it, this is what it takes to be great. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And like, so I, in a weird way, I'm. I not only was I not hurt, I was like. That's, yeah. that's, <laughs> that's, 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 pro- yeah. that's professionalism. Yeah, Do you know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah. and, but it, cause it's easier to say yes. It's yeah. easy to be like, oh, you yeah, come over like, oh, turn on the TV or, oh, you know, whatever. It's easy to say yes. It's hard yeah. to say no.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There was another interview. You Remind me of that with Kobe Bryant. And he, I think it was one of his last interviews as well. I can't remember what channel it was on, but he was asked like to describe w- with one word, a few things in his yeah. life. And so they ask him like basketball, he says love and LA and he says home. And then they ask him, uh, retirement yeah. and he says peace. Ooh. And, and, you know, it's, it's an amazing thing. And I was fortunate enough to interview Kobe, uh, Brian last year. And even when you were with him, he was in such a peaceful happy space in retirement which for most athletes it's the opposite it's the opposite right it's like full of anxiety so you're trying to figure out your identity again and Mm -hmm. who you are and your ego and everything whereas for him he was just totally like happy storytelling and writing and like, funnily enough, like sure. in this storytelling world, yeah. And I'm, I like basketball. I don't know everything about it, so we ended up talking for an hour about storytelling, right? Because that's what he was doing now, and he was so satisfied with that being his purpose, yeah. And anyway, it's just when someone says peace in retirement, you're like,
0: wow, like that, you know? But
1: stillness is the key.
0: No, no, I was that's, just like wow, there's so you, much. You wish everyone could have that, yeah. and and I think the other thing you might go like, okay, how many years of not peace for how many years of peace? Yeah. But that it's actually like what the what the sort of philosophers would say, East and West, is like one minute of it is everything. Do you know what I mean? Like if you could experience it for one minute, you've experienced it for eternity. Yeah. You know, and and so um, to get there at forty is impressive. To get there at all is impressive, mm. um, and and I think. the the, you know the sort of stoic practice of memento mori Mm -hmm. where actually a memento mori ring give me the coin yes
1: i have have it up oh you do yeah yeah, yeah.
0: so i started wearing this ring too because i want to like sort of touch it always but yeah the the idea of like death looming over all of it should put some urgency on it not like Mm -hmm. oh i have till i'm like people go oh yeah when i retire when i'm 60 Mm -hmm. i'll get to do that but like you get hit by a bus you know your helicopter could crash like Mm -hmm. Get cancer, you know, like you're the the idea that death is, death should be this sort of urgent thing reminding you not to take the future for granted. And that like, you got to be working towards that stillness or that peace or that focus, or don't defer the work that you have to do because like, you don't know you're going to get to come back to it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, With all of these teachings, like obviously stoicism has been something that you've been helping all of us understand and and I love it. I I absolutely love it. It, But from that, which of the teachings in this book has kind of like, was there a teaching that almost surprised you or took you longer to wrap your head around as you've been writing all these books? Like that's kind of come to the fore in this one. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, something you
0: didn't believe
1: in straight away, but kind of like, you know.
0: Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, one of the things I struggled with a little bit more in the book uh, that I, like I wanted to tackle things that made me uncomfortable. Mm. And and so like, I've probably been an atheist since, I don't know, high school, late high you school. Higher power. Yeah, and, and, <laughs> and so, so and, and I knew that chapter would be controversial and like, like I knew it would piss people off and it did piss people off. Like I was looking the other day, like the first review on Amazon is some person who was like triggered by the fact that I was talking about this thing. And what I'm interested in is like things that are working for people, mm. right? And it's like it's hard not to look back at history and not see that pretty much everyone believed in some kind of higher like like atheism is the exception, not the rule. And I was in Budapest mm. uh, a couple months ago, and I was walking by this church and they were there's some like classical music concert and I hate classical music, but I had like and I just went in and I, I sat and I watched. This, uh, like, this sort of classical concert. They were singing in Latin in a, like, a Catholic, you know, like a 500 year old Catholic church or something. And, you know, the acoustics were perfect. Like, I understood none of it, but I was just like, this experience, like, this experience is what people have been having for thousands of years. Like, what is it that's working for them? Why, you know, why, and why am I closing myself off to it? So I didn't, like, I, I'm, I'm still like on that path, I think, but I, I've certainly moved from like atheist, which is like, you know, there's no God to agnostic, which is like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And sort of an openness to larger experiences. So I think, again, like, I think the theme in my book is like, what if smarter, wiser people than me a long time ago figured out? And let me try to articulate that in a modern context. And so that, that was certainly a, a big one for me.
1: Yeah, no, I love that. And, and I just love how open you are because I, I've always said that to people. I'm like, with, with any belief, it's like if someone was able to present to me a better, stronger case sure. for a new set of beliefs that are timeless and universal in application, Yeah, I would adopt them. You like, should. Yeah, you should, right, yeah. yeah. Like as, as a genuine seeker of, what works, yeah. what is fascinating and, and what actually has an impact versus a fad or a trend that that may not have that longevity.
0: Well, there's one of my favorite quotes from Epictetus is, is like, uh, it's impossible to learn that which you think you already know. Mm. And so actually I feel like on the path towards wisdom of learning, you shouldn't be coming more certain in your beliefs. You should actually become less certain and more open, oh, right? And so I think It was sort of realizing, oh, this atheism is because I read a Richard Dawkins book when I was nineteen, which was great, and I'm glad I read it because it made me question things I'd accepted as a child. But that if if I'm just stuck there, I'm not I'm not getting better, I'm not learning, and I'm no better than people I might be criticizing for their own, you know, not thought out beliefs. And so, like, I think one of the things I've experienced as I've gotten older, as I've read more, as I've become successful, is like. Is is just a kind of a, a an, an openness and a, a like less rigidity in my beliefs. And and I think that's a theme in the stoics is just this idea of like, yeah, if someone can prove that you might be wrong about something or get you to consider some question that you previously thought you had the answer to, they're doing you a huge favor. Yeah. You know, even if they're knocking down a whole structure that you've been living in your life, they're doing you a favor because like that was built on unsturdy ground. Yeah, And so, yeah, like seeking that out, embracing it, appreciating it, not not resenting it, not reacting against it has been, I think, I think that's an important practice.
1: Yeah, I agree. That's beautifully said. Do you think it's in a, what I find fascinating about all of this is when you're an early whether it's an early atheist, theist, early adopter of a a new diet yeah. or whatever it is, we develop this sort of like ego around being this evangelical ambassador of yeah. it. And you're like, you know, you're like putting everyone in a place trying to school everyone. Is that coming from a what would be the stoic or the wisdom answer from? Because for me, it's like, it's almost like a protective mechanism. Yeah. It's like what you're saying to others is what you want to say to yourself. Sure. So it's like, if I've just started waking up at 6 a.m., I'm now the biggest yes. proponent of like, yeah, yeah. you wake up at seven? Like, oh, you're slacking, right? Yeah, or like, yeah. You, you don't wake up till 6.30? Or if someone wakes up at four, you're like, oh no, that's too early. Because <laughs> you, <know? laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you become this false ambassador. Tell me a bit about your thought process around that ego or that.
0: Yeah yeah it's like a projection like you're so insecure about it you got to like convince other people about it so then you're Exactly. Yeah. No and I think as a as like a public figure someone who writes you're definitely mm. more prone to that like when I look back at my early writing the one thing that invariably makes me cringe is like how certain I was about stuff yeah. that I'd like literally just learned about, you know? <laughs> like, is that like I'd known this to be true for 30 years and then I was writing about it. It was like, yeah. literally like I'd heard about this like the day before. And that's the stuff that never ages well. Yeah. Uh, I heard this great expression, like it ages like milk you know, yeah, that yeah, certainty yeah, yeah, right. ages so badly. Yeah. And like wh- one of the weird things, like when I look at obstacle ego and stillness is like, okay, obstacle is like 50,000 words. Uh, ego like 55 and let's say stillness is 60 or so- something like that. And, and I was like, are these books getting longer because like, I'm just more full of myself or actually no. It's like now when I read back obstacle, I think one of the reasons that it works and it's so clear is that I'm saying things very emphatically, mm. very clearly, but also with no nuance. Yeah. You know? And as I've gotten older, as I've experienced more, it's like, uh, it's more complicated than that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so actually it's like as I've gotten as I've gone on in my career, I'm less comfortable saying things in black and white terms. Yeah. I want to, it's not that I'm hedging, no. but but that I'm I'm just not gonna say that this is. I'm not going to say this with no equivocation because you, you can't actually know that. Yeah. And that, and that again, like emails I've gotten or things that it's like, Oh, you know what? Like I may have, I didn't consider what it's like to be, you know, a single mom with three kids. And that maybe it's not is mm-hmm. easy for them to get up at 6am yeah, or whatever it is. Yeah, like yeah. you just realize that like you're being flipped because your experience is limited. Mm-hmm. And so I think as I've gone older or gone on and gotten older, I'm, negative capability it's from uh keats i think and it's the idea that like genius or real intelligence is the ability to hold opposing ideas in your head at the same time right that you don't actually have to simplify things down you don't have to make them black and white you can embrace like paradoxes yeah. right like people will go like oh you know in this chapter you're saying this but over here you're saying this that's yeah. a contradiction it's like welcome to the Universe, where sometimes you have to do this, yeah, and sometimes the opposite is what's called for,
1: yeah, absolutely. yeah. You know? it's a, in my book, I, I mean you've reminded me of something for me. It's like I talk about the need for routine and spontaneity totally. and and it's like in one sense, and we I remember tackling it when I was writing because I was like, oh, wait a minute i'm and I'm like, no, but I believe in both. yeah, and i and I believe one leads to the other. yes. and and I believe that there is a space for both. and I I mean, encouraging people in in my own way to embrace polarities more. Yeah, because I feel like we're always like, "What is the one way to show this?" And I'm like, "Well, sometimes I can be affectionate, but sometimes you've got to be assertive, and yeah. sometimes you've got to be this and that." It's like you don't have to be every, one thing all of the time.
0: Yeah, I think I talked about this in obstacle. Like Arthur Ashe, his sort of motto is like "physically tight, mentally loose," right. and and so it's like, isn't that a contradiction? Actually, no. That they they fuel and feed each other, and yeah, the, the world is complicated. I think that that's definitely something that the Eastern philosophers get better mm. is that you're sort of embracing paradoxes and nonsensical sayings. And like, like it, you're supposed to go, you're supposed to sit with that yeah. and maybe even get comfortable with the fact that it is irresolvable. Maybe yeah. that's the lesson, you know, yeah. whereas like people are like, no, what it like, because invariably in interviews people go like, oh, and what is the five, you know, step framework for overcoming obstacles. And it was like, there not one there, because no obstacle is the same and you know no person is the same. I think what there are are fundamental principles or ideas mm-hmm. that if you equip yourself with it will become clear which to use in which situation. But yeah, people want they want like a roadmap, and there's yeah. there is no roadmap.
1: No, exactly. Was that when you were writing the book, was there anything? was there in most, what was the most intriguing way someone finds stillness that you've experienced, even if not in the book, but people you've spoken to, like something that you were like, whoa, I did, like some, you know,
0: skydiving
1: or like yeah. whatever, like, yeah, yeah. how does that give stillness?
0: So I'm fascinated with Churchill and mm. Churchill wrote a book called Painting as a Pastime. Mm. And I was like, what? Why would, well, first off, I don't think people think of Churchill as a writer, but that's how he made his living. Yeah. And, And you don't think like Prime Minister, the guy that stands up to the Nazis, you're like, and he must have loved watercolors, right? (laughs) But like or I think he was more oil paints. But the but the point is, like he has this nervous breakdown after the second after the first world war, and his sister-in-law gives him her children's paint set and says, like, hey, this might help you relax. And he'd always been ambitious, always had an insane work ethic, always been busy. And this was the first time where he like was doing something only for its own sake. And I was just in London and I I went straight from Heathrow to Chartwell before my meeting because I wanted to go see his painting studio. And you're like, oh, this is what kept this guy sane amidst incredible stress, fear, anxiety, responsibility, you know, people not doing what they're supposed to do. Like he would paint. And oh. and so he he would talk, he was like, the most important thing that a powerful person can have, he said, is like one or two hobbies. Mm-hmm. It's like, what are your hobbies? And for him, it was painting and, and writing was sort of one of them. And it was, so he had this, you know, estate in the countryside. It was like, it was the opposite of his work basically, right? Mm-hmm. And you have to have that. Um, the prime minister, a generation or two before him, William Gladstone was like, he had this big property. He would just go out and chop down trees. Like he just liked chopping down trees with an ax. And like, it's, um, I I live on a small farm outside Texas and and people, isn't that a lot of work? And it's like, it is, but it's the opposite of my actual work. And so it's actually very restorative. And, And so I think the power of hobbies is like probably the thing I was most excited to write about.
1: Yeah. And also sometimes the power of like, I feel like simple quote unquote mundane tasks. Like the, I I remember, you know, when, when I lived as a monk, like we did so many mundane tasks, like cleaning or pot washing or taking care of the farms or cows or whatever it was. And it was like a lot of me coming from London and being educated and all the rest of it was just like, this is such a waste of time. Like I should be like reading or studying or like teaching or like changing the world. Like that's what I've always been like that. But but then I started to, see, and I was forced to do it because they saw value in it. Yeah. it wasn't just like we need someone to clean stuff. Yeah, it was like no, there's value in it for you. Right.
0: There's like a Zen story I, I tell in the book. I'm forgetting who it was, yeah. but the, these two students go to the Zen master. They visit him on his farm, and they're like, will, "Will you please show us the way of Zen?" And he's like, "Yes, of course. Will you just open the farm for me this morning? Like, do all the farm chores?" So you know, they they sort of muck the stables and they you know milk the cows or they you know they let the animals out. They, they just go through this, this whole process as the sun is coming up and they're going through it. And they come back to and they say, you know, like master, we've opened the farm. Like what is Zen? And he just goes like th- that, yeah. that manual labor, that experience being outside, experiencing nature, watching the sun come up. That is it. And that's that idea of like chop wood, carry water, like just do the thing one foot in front of the other, follow the steps. Don't try to make this into something. Just appreciate it for what it is. Um, is really great like yeah fixing fences on my farm going out to feed the cows going on a walk just watching the animals like that is the experience right and it's so the opposite of sitting at your computer okay. answering emails that it's really even if it's stressful even if it's hard work even if it's exhausting it restores the mind in a different way mm-hmm. that that maybe it's like if i just went and sat all my mind might be doing is thinking about those, the things that I left at the computer. Whereas when I'm doing the task, it forces you to become so present and lose, and you can't think about anything else.
1: Yeah. Being in the, now that you mentioned presence, being present is, you know, we've heard it a lot. People have talked about it a lot, the power of now. I mean, it's in all the Stoic and Vedic texts too, like of being in the moment. Like, what's your favorite way of being present or or what is your favorite way of explaining to people what that genuinely means or or what it means to you?
0: Yeah. uh, I was talking, I was talking about Robert earlier when I was thinking about becoming a writer, I had this sort of like year left on a, basically I had had to stay at American apparel for another year. I remember. Yeah. And, and uh, he was like, so he's like, he's like, there's two kinds of time in life. There's like a live time and dead time. Dead time is when you're, like, checked out. You're just waiting for things to happen. You're just, like, burning the days, basically. Mm. And he's like, a live time is, like, what will you make of this? Mm. Right? And so for me, what I, I always I always actually wrote, I have a note card on my wall that I wrote, you know, seven or eight years ago now that just says, a live time versus dead time, question mark. And I think about that. Like, what I'm, what I'm thinking about is, like, is this going to be a live time or dead time for me? So, like, yeah, yesterday I'm flying here. The plane's delayed. I've got a dinner that I, like you know tight window. I got to get my rental car, drive, go to the dinner. Don't want to be late. Blah, like L.A. traffic. Blah. And and you can spiral really quickly. Like I do this. This got it. And then what you're doing is not sitting in the chair that you're in, <laughs> reading a book or FaceTiming with someone that you like or um, just not doing anything. Like you're what you're not doing is being where you are. Mm-hmm. And and so I I try to like always. I try to always come back to the present. What I try to remind myself is like this moment is enough. Like you don't you don't actually have to be doing anything else. Like you don't have to go to that thing later. You don't have to be on time. Like you don't have you just have to be here. Totally. And uh, it, it it's not something you you intellectually know and then automatically do. It actually has to be kind of like a mantra in your life that you're repeating all the time. Uh, and that's why I have it on my wall too. Yeah. It, you know what I mean? Cause it's yeah. so easy to forget. So
1: easy to forget. And and the funny thing is it actually drains so much energy when you live in the future. Like totally. if you're constantly planning or like what I've got to get to do next or if I'm, if I'm doing this podcast and thinking about all the things I have to do now and which I've not been thinking about until this point where mm-hmm. now I'm thinking about it. And I just looked at all the slips I'm signing for my book right now. Are you doing pages. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's the inserts. Mm -hmm. And, and so it's like, now that I just looked at that and I'm like, when I start thinking about it, all of a sudden I'm anxious because I know how many I've had to get through as opposed to when I was just sitting here and being present.
0: Totally. Totally. And, and then like what I, what I remind myself is that it's arrogant, Mm -hmm. like, like doing an interview is hard, you know, writing a book is really hard, uh, you know, uh, driving is hard, hitting a hitting a pitch in Major League Baseball is hard. The idea that you are so good at this that you can do it while not 100% being focused, I just, rem- like, that is arrogant. Like, <laughs> it is too, like, you are competing. Like, I I, t- I say to myself, like, you're competing against the best riders in the world. And you're competing against that kid, uh, man or woman, who wants to break in more than anything. The idea that you're so good and that people love you so much that you can do this with only thirty seven percent focus yeah. is arrogant, and that's when you lose. That is a great. You know point. what I mean?
1: I love that point. That is brilliant. Wow, never looked at it like that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like, no, it's spot on. I get it. Like uh, in in baseball, you have four hundred milliseconds mm-hmm. to to decide and swing at a pitch. The idea that you can you can be thinking about your last one or your next one in that moment is insane it's right it's insane yeah like like i think you know this now we ask this question because they're so politically charged we we asked we go like, if you win are you going to go to the white house yeah. are you going to accept it and it's like you should not be thinking about yeah. that at all like you should not even have it should not even be a question like cross that bridge when you come to it yeah. think about the fact that like you're in the Super Bowl tomorrow, yeah, and and the other team wants it really bad too. Totally. So the idea that you can you can spend one millisecond not focusing, yeah, is is
1: nuts. That
0: is that's brilliant. I love that.
1: I'm never gonna forget that. That's awesome. No, no, I love that. That's such a unique point of view, and
0: uh, yeah, I love that. That's brilliant. And and then I think it, it's not just personal success, right? Because yeah. I think what you talk about a lot is like how do you apply these things to relationship? Like the idea that like your wife. Is loves you so much that you can only be 80% present, you know, or that your kid is it your your kid can do with with 32% of a father. Like you know, it's like you promised to be there. Yeah. And the idea that you can do this and be on your phone, or you can do this and be mulling over your meeting tomorrow or whatever, like you're stealing that from someone. Yeah.
1: Now when you talk about focus in that way though, I feel like I feel like stillness and silence and all these kind of like, they're so rare now. Yeah, sure. And so we're almost scared of them. Like we're scared of what's rare. Yeah, of course. And we get scared of telling things that we don't do often. And so like when people talk about like, like when you have an awkward silence, like there are no silences in this conversation because it's genuinely back and forth. But if I didn't know what to say, I would be silent. But if you did that in a date scenario, if you did that in a interview, like I remember, uh, yeah, you've just, when I was interviewing for a role in my company, I was interviewing people and none of them would stop to think. Yeah. Because I think they expected to have an answer straight away. And I had one person who would stop and say, Can I think about that for a moment?
0: Yeah. That's always so impressive. Yeah. yeah. And
1: I was so impressed. That yeah. I hired that person. Yeah. And and, there was, and when I hired them, I was so scared because I thought two things either they're really stupid, <laughs> right? Yeah. Or they're really smart. Right. And thankfully, they ended up being really smart. Right. But it was like that point of just like, we're so scared of stillness and silence. What have you, like, have you seen that? Have you noticed that? And like,
0: yeah, yeah. You know, I, th- I think we're afraid of what the silence is going to reveal. Like, I think mm-hmm. we're afraid to look in the mirror. So we distract ourselves. Do you know what I mean? Like we know that the silence will reveal the emptiness, right? And so that's why we're always doing, 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 talking, talking, talking. Listen, like the amount of, of people I know that it's like they're listening to audiobooks, like tweeting, watch it. Like, just just like, can you just sit there? Like sometimes I'll remind my oh, yeah, I'll get somewhere early and be like, I'm just gonna sit here. Like, I'm not gonna do anything. I'm just gonna sit here. Um, and and actually, yeah, like that. The nothing is the something yeah. is 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 hard for people to do. You just realize, like, people are like, you know, if I turn my mind off for two seconds, like, I might realize that I hate my job yeah. or that like this relationship is over and I got to leave it. Or you know, like, we're afraid of the info that we're afraid of the truths that we're going to mm-hmm. find out, and so that's why. Yeah people are glued to the television glued to their phone glued to consuming 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 so they don't have to create so they don't have to face so they don't have to think and uh that that is i think yeah that's the that's the problem of our time
1: yeah and that's the mistake too because it numbs us from the reality that we're experiencing yeah and then 5 10 15 years down the line you're now like oh i've i should have known this before
0: Well, I I talk a little bit in the book about like the Cuban Missile Crisis. That's like, that happens over 13 days. Mm -hmm. Just the idea of like allowing that to happen over 13 days, like now it'd be like, oh, we got to tweet out a response. Like right now, you know, like just the idea of letting something unfold, going like, I'm not sure I have all the information. You know, like Kennedy's expression was like, I want to use time as a tool, but not as a couch. Mm -hmm. So you're not like, it's not silence. It's not retreating. It's not thinking because you're afraid of facing it. It's that you're like, no, I'm going to deal with this, but I don't want to deal with it like half cocked or only partially informed. And so having the discipline, but also the confidence to do that is really important. And I think, so I think at the end of the day, a lot of these emotional reactions, a lot of these instantaneous reactions, a lot of the chatter is rooted in like insecurity and fear, and anxiety, and actually the more, com- like if you walked into a martial arts studio right now, the... The highest ranked person would be the slowest moving, (laughs) the most chill, the most welcoming, you know. And it's like the newbie who's like all wired and aggressive and, you know. And so I think ideally as you get better, you should be getting more chill.
1: Yeah, yeah exactly that's that's time- time as a tool, not as a couch that's so that's genius, yeah. yeah that's brilliant. that makes so much sense because most of us use time as a couch when we're scared of something, yeah we're like, oh, I'm not going to think about it or I'm not going to talk about it for like yeah days sometimes or you're procrastinating or overthinking,
0: yeah, and we're not using time as a tool either, mm-hmm. so we're like, uh, I have everything I need to know, I'm ready to go, yeah, but it's like actually, did you really study this? Did you ask for all the advice that you can? did you Walk through what could go wrong. You know, did you get, uh, you know, information from people who disagree with you? You yeah. know, like, have you actually done that? Like, yeah. most of the I would say, I would say most of the conflicts I've gotten in, sort of professionally, creatively, most of the, the, you know, it, it came from me rushing in, like mm. I unthinkingly escalated or you know pushed ahead when like maybe I could have ignored it yeah. or maybe I could have. Slept on it, or maybe I could have written the email, deleted it, and rewritten the email. You know, like like uh, Lincoln was famous. He would he would write these letters. Like you know, someone would piss him off. They weren't doing. It. He'd write this. Like you're the. He would just light them up, and then he'd put it in his desk and he would never send it. You know, and and just the just that idea of like, oh, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna say what I, I'm I'm gonna do it, but I'm gonna wait before I send it. Yeah. And yeah, just not doing it out of anger. Not that, people think that the Stoics didn't have emotions. Yeah, that's not what it is at all. Because the Stoics were human. Seneca's like, no amount of wisdom can reduce, can can eliminate like our human impulses. He's like, no amount of training can make you not blush, yeah, 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 right, yeah, yeah. or not yeah. cold, yep. or not uh, feel adrenaline. But what the stoic is striving to do is not be driven by those emotions yeah. when they make decisions. Yeah. So it's not that you wouldn't lust after something. It's like, are you going to blow up your life Correct. for five minutes with a stranger, totally. right? Yeah. It's it's not, um, should you strive to be the best in your sport or in your field? But it's, are you going to, are you going to do it because you love it, not because you're trying to prove your dad wrong. Or what, you know, like just doing it from a a place that's not, the Stoics, now we talk about it's like, find your passion. The Stoics were like, passions are bad. You know, Mm -hmm. passions are like these demons that possess us and they're not doing that.
1: What I found in most of our emotions, because a lot of people would be like, oh, well, if I meditate, do I get rid of stress completely? Like, and I was just like, you know, one of our teachers, uh, like. Thousands of years ago, there's a teacher named Yamanacharya, and he would talk about. He was a renunciate, so he would he would, and he was free from sex life. So he, you know, and and his, he would always say like, I, I have a, it's it's not that I never have a thought of yeah. sex or lust. Yeah, he was just that I have my response to it. Yeah, and his response is now shortening the time yes. of how long he entertains that feeling.
0: Yeah, I think Victor yeah. Frankl's like there's stimulus mm. and there's response, mm. and what you're trying to train is that space between those two. Totally. And I think early on, we're prime. There's no space. It's like this, and you're just trying to. If if you can add a half second, do you know what I mean? Yeah. To to just even like to just even go like, no, I'm not going to do that. Totally. Yeah. Uh, or I'm going to do it this way instead. Yeah. Or maybe I'll do it tomorrow. Like, totally. Yeah. Like you write the letter. But do you have to send, you write the letter because you're so angry, you're going to go do, but do you have the control an hour later not yeah. to put in the mail?
1: Yeah. yeah so my, my thing with that is I'm always just like, I need to sleep on stuff. Yes. I need to take the day, think about it, stretch that moment totally. out. Totally, Because yeah, your initial reaction is usually fueled by ego or, you know, if you're responding to something or reacting to something. Yeah. And, and I see that myself all the time, but you, you have to give yourself that space to allow your ego to feel it. Give yourself that space to feel the fear, if that's what it is. Yeah, and then yeah, I love that. I love that. And today we're just in this send culture, right? That's the challenge. Like, you don't even think about sending a million messages a day.
0: Yeah, I think. And Seneca's point is like, look, it's okay to be afraid. It's okay to grieve when you lose yeah, someone. Of course. But it's like a year later, if you're still crippled by that thing, you got to do some work to walk through. To pro- so it's like, uh, I think Mustaim Taleb was, it's not about the elimination of emotions. It's about the domestication of them. Mm. You know, a dog is the same as a wolf, but it's been trained and bre- some of those things have been bred out yeah. of them yeah. to a level that allows them to function in society, you know? Yeah. Like, but there's still a little bit of that wild animal in there. You got to keep it on a, on the chain.
1: Yeah, I love that. Let's dive into it. We've been talking about, for all of you who are listening and watching and loving this conversation, Stillness is the Key by Ryan Holiday. It's already uh, number one New York Times uh, bestseller, so make sure you go grab the book. But there were a few pages that I just turned in it okay. that I want to. I remember we did this for the Daily Stoic too. The best things about Ryan's book is they're just—he's a great storyteller. The stories are unique, fresh. You might never—I've never heard any of those stories about Churchill and was it Gladstone? Yeah, yeah, that ever before. And so, yeah, he's a great storyteller. But there's this one that I picked, out, and you can either tell the story or people can read it in the book. But it's the story you tell from the Let Go chapter it kicks off the let go chapter and you talk about the story, um, that Kenzo once told of his student.
0: Yeah. Yeah. If, if people haven't read the Zen Zen and the art of archery, it's incredible, but like, you know, he's talking about how, when he would train his students, he was like, don't even think about hitting the target. Just think about form, right? Like get lost in the form, get lost in the process. And that's actually something I kind of try to focus on my books is like, Like, okay, whenever, and I know you have a book coming out so that that we can talk about this a little bit. Whenever I hear someone have a sales goal for their book, I'm like, you're lost. You know, like you've already thought about this the wrong way. Because at the very best, your goal should be to sell an unlimited. Like the idea that you're like a million copies is success means you've lost. Like, because what if... What if you sell zero copies but you change the world? What yep. if you sell ten million copies and then it's disproven? It? You know, like like it's not about that. It's not about the end state. It's about the process, right? It's about 100%. it's about the impact. It's about doing it right because that's all that you control. And so, we we think that it's all about goals, and and certainly there are people who would be improved by having goals because they leave they lead an aimless life. But actually, for a really ambitious, talented people, it's actually about Removing goals because those are outcome oriented and focusing internally on process and form and 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 presence, especially with something like archery, where archery is kind of like golf, where like the harder you try, the worse you do at it, because you've instead of being present, you're thinking about all these other things, and so yeah, it, it, he would like he'd be like bad shot, forget it, good shot. Definitely forget, yeah, like yeah. What, the form, the form, the yeah. form, and and yeah, s- smooth and slow and 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 an effortlessness. That's actually what you're trying to get to, and I think writing is like that, music is like that, acting is like the harder you're trying to be a good actor, the worse of an actor you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. You have to get lost in it.
0: Yeah, totally. And
1: and that was I. I've recently started. I got a tennis coach recently.
0: Yeah, tennis. But, and also, yeah. So tennis was
1: something that I used to play a lot. As a kid and a teenager, but never was trained. And I picked it up and I'm competitive so I could play. But then when I went to get trained, I was like, no, I want to do it properly. Yeah. So I was like, I don't I don't want to pretend I can play. Yeah. And so we've trained now for the past four weekends. We have not played a game of tennis yet. Right. Right. So he's just getting my form right. And it's the same. Like he actually doesn't care where the ball ends up on the other side. It's just all about my form and the swing. And we're doing backhands and forehands. And and it's so beautiful. Like it's actually such a fun way of learning. Yeah. But I can imagine if I was taught that as a kid, I would have been like, oh, I just want to play the game. Right. And no, there's
0: a famous story about Lombardi and he walks in and he's like, this is the Green Bay Packers. So obviously they're all great football players. And he opens the season with like, gentlemen, this is a football. You know, like he starts <laughs> at so the basic level. Yeah. But it's like, that's actually where we need to focus. Totally. Because we have all this stuff in our head. And if you're, if you're running down the field thinking, where's my route? What should I be doing? What did coach say? You are doing it the wrong way. You got to get actually out of that and Believe into your body and into the process and into the form.
1: Yeah, the time when I really felt that was a couple of years ago, two, three years ago, I tested like seven different business strategies. Okay. So it's seven different businesses, ideas, yeah. Yeah. concepts, revenue streams, whatever you want to call yeah. it. And the interesting was that all seven of them worked financially, but I only enjoyed four of them in the process. Yeah, sure. So financially, all seven worked. They all reaped rewards. They all made money. But actually, only four of them actually made me feel happy when I was doing them. Sure. Sure. And so I remember going, I'm never doing those other three things ever again. And that might
0: seem like a basic decision, but most people do the exact opposite. Totally. They're like, which of the seven made the most money? Totally. That's the right one to do. Yeah, but I know that. And I, and I still say it now, like I, the biggest
1: satisfaction for me today is I get to wake up and do what I love every day. Like to yeah. me, that's just like, sure, it's it's life-changing and- you know, I work with and coach, and I'm sure, I'm sure you do too, so many people who literally will come to me and be like, Jay, I just built this billion-dollar business right. in 12 years, but I wasted 12 years of my life or I didn't enjoy it. Right?
0: Well, one of the things that, that was really helpful to me because I built this company where we work with authors and, yeah. and do ghostwriting and, and help build sort of the stuff we're talking about for mm. people. And I kept noticing over and over again that the people that were coming to me had like built yeah billion dollar companies huge brands they'd done this thing and and it was like wait all they want to do is be what i get to do right all they, yeah. they built this thing <laughs> that's way harder to do than what i do and now they wanted and so i was like i have to make sure because it's so easy to get away from that thing because you have all these other opportunities it's like wait if the if uh the person becomes a billionaire and what they really want to do is write for a living mm. And I am lucky enough to write for a living without having had to be a billionaire. Yeah. I got to make sure I protect that purity and that space and that privilege to do that thing that I have found what I love and, uh, and not be tempted away from it by what's more exciting, what's more lucrative, you know, what's more, uh, you know, the bigger ego hit, whatever.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think those are such... There's such like subliminal lures and like, you know, just everything we see and you go for the shiny objects or the platform or the title or whatever it may be. I actually said that uh, it was, it's really, I'm really happy hearing from you. You've written what, nine books now?
0: Yeah, nine or 10, something like that.
1: Yeah, nine, you know, it's like, I'm happy hearing it from you because I said the same thing to my team and, and because we wrote a chapter on process and not result too, based on the Bhagavad Gita that yeah. they use. And so when I was writing that, I was, I, I was explaining that to my team. I was like, I'm not writing this trying to be a New York Times bestseller or a Wall Street Gen-. I was like, that's not, I was trying to explain the concept through my yeah. own process. I was like, I'm trying to make sure we write the best book we possibly can write and that I absolutely love and that I'm enjoying while I'm doing it.
0: And look, and, it, it, you have to do that because it's inherently unpredictable, right? Mm-hmm. Like, let's say, let's say eight of my first nine books did not appear on the times list yeah. and they probably sold enough copies to yeah. because the world isn't fair, because somebody made a mistake, because somebody had a vendetta. I don't know why, <laughs> but like, like am, is that going to determine success for me? Oh, yeah. Then I've just handed over my sanity, my happiness, my success to an outside entity. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then conversely, let's say you do get it, well, what if I'd gotten it, but actually I knew deep down the book was no good, yeah. right? Or yeah, that I this is that I'd cheated or plagiarized or, you know, had someone write it for me or that I bought my way onto the list, which you can do, right? Like I'm prefacing uh, or preferring an outcome to process and missing the entire point. Totally.
1: Totally. And as I'm, I think I messaged you when I saw the news that you now share something in common with Leonardo DiCaprio, where it's like the guys
0: have to wait so long to get an Oscar. Well, look, the other thing, it's like three weeks after I hit it or four weeks after I hit it, like Donald Trump Jr. took the number one spot. So it's like, this doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like uh, like, you also have to remind yourself that like it doesn't actually matter. It's just a piece of paper. It's just a random accomplishment. How many people have done it before you? How many people will do it after you? If, if it was meaningless when you were deprived of it, also have to remind yourself, it doesn't really matter when you get it, it's yeah. just extra.
1: Yeah, I love that. I'm so aligned with that and yeah, let that blow your mind if it's, if it takes a bit of time, because I think it does take a bit of time to, we're always trying to move away from pain, because we think we have to move closer to pleasure
0: yes when actually you mean indifference the, the stoics talk about indifference
1: correct yeah and and in vedic terms it's neutrality yes like it's same same thing but different yeah just that neutrality in happiness and distress in fame and infamy
0: in well so money and not. W- one of the things so like that that indifference can feel like okay does nothing matter is that nihilism correct, yeah. and one of the, like, the way the stoics sort of navigate that which i love Seneca goes, but there's also preferred indifference. Like not indifference, C E T S, right? Yeah. There's things you are you are indifferent to, but you would prefer, right? Yeah. So he's like, it's better to be tall than short. Yeah. It's better to be rich than poor or whatever. Um, it's better to hit the list versus not hit the list, but you also still have to not let it affect you either way, right? And and realizing that, yeah, okay, it's it's good to get it, but it can't be everything to get it correct there i lived in new orleans and i was writing my first book and they had this word that i love There, uh lanyap do you know this word no i don't know uh it's it means like the 13th donut it means like the extra like so you buy 12 donuts and they throw in an extra donut right you're like you paid for 12 you get 12 great right if you got 11 you'd say hey you owe me one but like it's the extra it's like the cream it's the it's the it's the bonus and so so for me it's not that like i didn't care that i hit number one it's not that i don't care that my books have sold copies that i've got to do cool things that it's been lucrative it's that that is extra on top of that i enjoy doing the work that i get to you know i get to do my passion that i i know i you know it's it's extra on top. Yeah. And then that way you can take it or leave it.
1: Yeah. No, I love that. Okay. This is from the chapter called Heal the Inner Child, Yeah, which I thought was fascinating because I've never heard you talk about that before. I don't feel I don't like, think I'm, so. yeah, I don't think I've really heard you mention that. Tell me where that idea sparked from for this chapter and why it was such a focus.
0: I mean, part of it, for, like to be perfectly honest, from like therapy, right? Like mm. you realize that a lot of the really strong reactions and feelings and things that you have are not you as an adult. Mm. They're you at whatever age you're stuck in, right? So it's you, the 13-year-old whose parents got divorced. It's you, the 11-year-old who was humiliated in front of math class, right? Or it's you, the... The six year old who had to wear glasses and you didn't like it, or, you know, it's we have, we all have experienced trauma and pain and deficiencies and problems. And there's a part of us that is that age that needs, that needed something then that we didn't get. Mm. And now we have to do the work to parent that inner child because, yeah, a, an 11 year old or a, you know, um, uh, an arrogant 17 year old is not going to cut in in the world of publishing, right? Uh Because like, you're going to have to be an adult. You're going to have to be the bigger person. You're going to have to be responsible. You're going to have to be mature. And so just the act of of deciding to parent that inner child, to reassure them, to comfort them, to be what you didn't get Mm -hmm. from the people who should have done it when you were that age is really important. And if you don't have that, if you don't have, if you can't not, if you cannot settle that inner child, you will not have stillness, you will not have success, or you will end up destroying that success because you're not capable, you're not mature enough to deal with it. Yeah. And so yeah, like look, you're not gonna meditate your way into healing that inner child. Like you gotta go to therapy or you gotta have some unpleasant conversations. You gotta look in the mirror. You gotta journal. You gotta do some work there. Um but uh but yeah, I think it's an important part of getting better and and getting healthy.
1: Yeah. I, I recorded a podcast last year called uh, why we need to develop the emotional skills our parents didn't have. Mm-hmm. And, and it was always, it's also about that compassion that when you go through that process of building those skills, you realize how hard it is. Oh, totally. And, and to display it and to express it and for people to feel it and, and to be able to learn how to do it for yourself. And I think that's what, you know, what therapy or meditation really is, is your ability to parent yourself, your ability to yeah. give yourself what you feel you need from others.
0: Yes, and, yeah. and becoming aware and being
1: specific about what that is.
0: Yeah, and just making sure your life is not ruled by yeah. these emotional reactions or issues that it's not your fault that you have them, yeah. but it is your fault if you don't deal with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, exactly, uh, yeah. and, and it'll blow, if you don't, it'll blow up your marriage, it'll blow up your work, it'll blow up your, you know, it'll just make your life not as good as it can be. And, and yeah, taking the time to 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 do that, like inner work, is really, really important.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, Ryan, we've got these two segments now that we okay. end with. You're, you're probably, you're the only second person after my wife to have done this. Okay. So it'll be fun to do with you. It's called fill in the blanks. Okay. So you have to end the sentence, and you can end right. it with more than one word, but okay. you end the sentence. So, good writing is never easy. Stillness is similar to.
0: Well, I would say nothing, right? It's, it's a, <laughs> it's a singular, what I love about stillness is that like, it's very hard to define, but everyone knows what it is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like everyone's experienced it might've been in, for me, you know, not for me, but it's like yeah. for one person, it was, you know, watching the snowfall for the other, it was playing the piano. And for the other, it was, you know, who knows, right? It's a yeah. totally different yeah, thing, yeah. but it is this singular, unique thing that What I love about it is that it appears in every philosophical school and religion. And there are very few things that that's true for.
1: It's true. Absolutely. All right. I love that. Ryan Holiday
0: loves Uh, family, work, like family writing, like family craft, and uh, life. Cool.
1: Having a farm helps me
0: relax, uh, disconnect, and uh, be active.
1: I have no tolerance for
0: too, too many things. (laughs) And unfortunately, uh, you know, the expression of suffering fools, like I have, I have problems realizing like not everyone holds themselves to the standard, to my standards and that they're my standards. And it's totally unfair to expect other people to live up to a, promise they never made.
1: Yeah. I've always found that hard. I've always, I, I can totally relate to that one for sure. And I, I've been blown away. And there's, there's probably only two people in the world who are monk teachers that I know that don't have that. Yeah. And when they first displayed that, I was just like, wow, like they're like the hardest working. They made the most sacrifice. They meditate for the longest time. They wake up the earliest. They yeah. do more than ever. Yet they do have not, do not have that expectation.
0: That was Kobe's big problem, right? Like he couldn't understand that not everyone was Kobe, Mm. that they were great, but not at his level. And like, I think great leaders figure out how to work with people who are not like them.
1: Yeah. And it's hard. I think that takes the most, totally most stretch. Okay. That was good. You performed right. really well. That was awesome. Okay. All right. So we end every interview with the final five, okay. which is our rapid fire, quick fire rounds. So okay. these are one word to one sentence answers. Okay. Uh, they're a bit deeper than the other one. The last ones are fun. So this is, what question do you ask yourself the most?
0: Does this matter?
1: Oh, nice. Okay. The book you're most proud of and why?
0: I actually think Conspiracy is my best book because oh, it was most That's one
1: of yours that I haven't read. It was okay. it was the
0: most outside my comfort zone. It nice. was the it was and and weirdly has done the worst. And so uh, I I also love that like I can be proud of it for intrinsic reasons.
1: Yeah, that is the funny thing about that is. That's how I feel about some of my favorite videos. <laughs>
0: of course. It, I think every creative person is like, you, you, you have to learn how to separate best from most popular totally, yeah. because uh, they're not the same. They're not the same.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree with you. Okay, question number three. What question do you wish people
0: asked you more often? I never have a good answer to that question.
1: Ah, interesting. Yeah. Okay. I just don't
0: think about questions that I should That's be great. asked.
1: Oh, great. Because your fourth question would have been, I would have asked you that question. Okay. So if you could create a law... Based on the teaching you've learned for the world to follow, what would it be?
0: That's really good. Uh, I don't know, and and sort of mandating something sort of defeats the purpose of it. But like, oh man, that's really good. Thank you, John. I was talking to a, Shaka Smart, who's the coach at UT, uh, the basketball coach. He's awesome, sort of very zen, very philosophical. He's saying that he works as a coach; he never criticizes players for something that's not in their control. So like, it's, it's not whether the shot goes in or not, it's whether it was a good shot to take or not, mm. right? And so a lot of times in society, you try to hold people accountable for the, the part after the ball has left their fingers, yeah. you know? And so maybe there's something about like sort of going like, hey, was this a good idea at the time you did it? Then you're off the hook. Was this obviously bad when you made the decision? Yeah. Okay, now actually we're going to come down with on you with full weight, even if it worked out. You know what I mean? I don't maybe there's something there. No,
1: that's brilliant. I yeah. love that. I, I don't know how you build
0: a law around it, but I
1: don't either. That is, yeah, that's. I I fully believe that. I think we're so we so try and either predict how a decision is going to pan out yeah. and that stops us from making a good decision right now. Yeah. Or when the decision goes wrong, we start blaming the time that we made it. Yes. And like, oh, you shouldn't have told me to do that or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah, that's powerful. I really like that. Yeah. And was it a good shot to take?
0: Yes. Yeah, that's really cool. Because look, you know, you a great shooter is only going to shoot 50 or 60% from the field. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. it's going to miss a certain percentage of the time but if they don't take the shot, yeah. they're not going to make it. So how do you, how do you, how do you, it's easy to yell at them for missing. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's harder to go. You'll get it next time.
1: Yeah, exactly. Or you made the right decision there. Yes. Or you made the wrong. It wasn't the, it wasn't that I'm mad that it didn't go in. Yeah. I'm actually more upset about the fact that you took a, you went for a three pointer. Yeah, when
0: there's there there's closer. like a famous story about John Wooden where like uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar or something made like a behind the back pass worked out great you know worked out perfectly and he was like i'm mad at you because you know a behind the back pass you know works 70% of the time a uh, chest pass in that scenario works 80% of the time yeah. so the fact that you made the behind the back pass and it worked statistically does not make that a good decision or not you actually made the wrong, right you made the wrong decision even though you got the right outcome Yeah. conversely if you'd made the chest pass and it hadn't worked out not the, it, it, you know that doesn't mean it's the wrong decision yeah
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's, yeah, that's, that's a fun one. I like that a lot. Okay. Fifth and final question of the final five is what's been your biggest personal lesson in the last 12 months?
0: The the reason I wrote stillness was realizing like all the best moments in my life had some kind of stillness in them Mm -hmm. and then going, why am I content for that to happen accidentally? Mm -hmm. Right? So yeah, sure. There's a certain amount of sort of consciously seeking something out can, deprive you of it, but it's more like, how am I just going to make sure that I'm not making this thing that I, I actually want X, but are my decisions making X more or less likely, you know, yeah. and going, okay, so stillness is the goal. That's the, that's the, what the aim, that's what success is. Yeah. But am I making decisions that create more or less room for stillness? And, yeah. and so just that, oh yeah, all the great moments are like this, rather than just sort of hoping that you accidentally get what you want. That's been big for me.
1: Absolutely. Ryan Holiday, everyone. That was his final five. Stillness is the key. Go grab a copy of the book. We will put the link in the bio section and all other places. So make sure you go grab a copy of this book. Like I said, it's, uh, Ryan writes some awesome books. If you haven't read Obstacle is the Way or Ego is the Enemy, which are two of my favorites, then go and grab those with this one too. They all, they're all, they all the same size they're all perfectly, uh, they, they look good on your shelf together too. Was It It was always meant to be
0: a trilogy, right?
1: Sort of. It kind of happened. Okay.
0: But it's coming out as a box set. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it set. is. It should be fun, yeah.
1: Oh, amazing. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, no, they're all, they're, they're, they're perfectly designed. I love it. Thanks, man. Uh, but go grab a copy for sure. And Ryan, thank you so much. Go and find Ryan on, on Instagram. Where else would you like people to find you, Ryan?
0: At Daily Stoic. At Daily Stoic. Daily Stoic Podcast. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Daily Stoic YouTube. Amazing. Yeah,
1: make sure you go check it out on all the platforms, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. What I'd love for you to do is anything that Ryan said that stood out, and there was a ton in this. I mean, there are incredible stories of people that I've never heard before. There's some great Zen takeaways and the little nuggets of wisdom that are from the book. Tag us both in the Instagram post when you share them because I love to see what you're learning and what you're gaining from as well, whether you're on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, or Instagram. Put them out there. Make sure you tag both of us. And thank you for listening to On Purpose. Awesome. Awesome. Man. Thanks, man. That Dude, was great. Appreciate it.